Hello there. Welcome back. Episode 3. I'm surprised you've lasted this long. Um, yeah. Uh, this is the sister episode, as promised um, to the one that came uh, last week. Um, I'll get into that in a moment. Uh, as per my own guidelines or rules for how I'm going to be doing this, um, I'm going to start with an introduction and a bit of news. Um, I guess there's a lot of news at the moment. All them current affairs. All the, all the news and the politics. That's that's a thing, isn't it? Oh, that's a big thing. Mm. I mean, we might be hurtling headfirst into the collapse of society as we know it, or it might just be a shift in politics, or it might not be anything at all. I spent a long time worrying about Brexit and getting annoyed and getting aerated and... And as per usual, I do have vocal problems in the sense that, okay, so I don't have acid reflux and I don't have a chest infection, but I have been drinking fizzy drinks because I'm a fucking genius. I know, I'll record my voice after I've necked enough carbo like carbonated water to kind of power a hot air balloon, but never mind that, eh? Eh? So it's all about Brexit and burping, this introduction. <laughs> Alright, it isn't. Uh, yeah. I'm looking at relocating the podcast, in fact. Um, you guys like it enough that you want one a week, and that's an hour a week, every week for a month. And the hosting site I'm using at the moment has got limited bandwidth, unless, da 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 da, you want to pay a fee a month. And I thought this was normal. I, I was about to accept it, I was about to set up like a payment thing. And I looked into it, and actually, uh, no, it. It made sense about 10 years ago to pay for bandwidth and storage and stuff. You know, that's that's just good practice. That's like paying rent on a flat kind of thing. But that was 2008. It's 2018. We have such a thing as cloud storage. And I've managed to find a podcasting hosting site that don't charge you for... Um, that don't charge you a hosting fee. That don't, that don't charge you just for putting up episodes or just for putting up... Uh, your what you create they'll monetize in other ways there's advertising obviously and they'll they'll brand themselves and sort of through what they do they'll want attention and all the rest of it they'll get their money that way but at a basic level it means I can put the podcast up and have old episodes up you know available to listen whenever you want um, I'll keep the Podbean. I'll keep the one I'm currently using at the moment and I'll double um, double host I guess for the moment um, once I reach my limit on Podbean I'll then start deleting older episodes but you can still get the older episodes on the new platform I think that's fair we'll keep that as an archive um, and that's Anchor by the way uh, for anyone interested in also doing a podcast if you want to host off of Anchor that's probably like for the first time where you don't have an established listenership or you're a very small listenership and you, you don't have any big advertisers or sponsorship then yeah by the looks of things, Anchor's your best deal. And, uh, yeah, I want to apologise for the end of last week's episode as well. The last segment, um, if you notice, the background music was a little bit louder than my voice, or a little bit louder than I wanted it to be. Um, incidentally, for those asking, the background music that I use in these podcasts is a free-for-use um, Creative Commons track by a, cap called, a chap called Chris Zabruski. Don't ask me to smell it, uh, spell it, I haven't written it down anywhere. But uh, the track itself is quite a long name as well. It's called I Am Running Down the Hallway of Fremont University or Fremont College. If you bear with me one second. Oh, oh I'm running down the long hallway of Viewmont Elementary. 
there we go. So that's I am running down the long hallway of Viewmont Elementary by Chris Zabriskie, sorry. Um, that's spelt Z-A-B-R-I-S-K-I-E. Um, he's got quite a few tracks actually available for Creative Commons use. Um, and if you want to donate a bit to his Patreon, then by all means, he's a good chap. He, he, he does really good work. Um, actually heard the track on a video about crop circles. Uh, which may lead into next week's episode, but I'll get on to that at the end. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of, uh, for next week's episode, I'm going to change the um, setup a bit. I'm going to be getting a guest on. Um, no one massively famous. I'm, I'm sure most of you wouldn't have heard of him. Uh, but he's a mate, and it's a topic that we're both interested in. And whilst you won't be getting the podcast hug that I've been trying to give for the last few episodes, it'll be podcast pub i suppose it'd be that pub vibe it'd be a couple of people talking absolute bollocks in the pub over a pint except neither of us drink so um yeah i think with that it's time to get on and following on from last week's episode where i was talking about nostalgia and i was talking about romanticizing the past and what happens when you don't romanticize the past you fixate on it it's known as rumination completely running over aspects of the past over and over and over again to the point where it's not healthy and it's not helpful and it isn't gonna yeah it it isn't gonna help anyone it's certainly not yourself it's it's an unhealthy obsession with a certain aspect of the past certain memories um certain events and so on not to be confused with ptsd which is its own thing Um, which is a very real thing. Not only do um, victims of domestic violence and assault and, uh, and of course, and of course, the people who, um, you know, the term was originally applied to in the first place, which is people who saw conflict, soldiers. Um, Yeah, a lot of certain mental health problems can cause PTSD. And that is, as I say, it's its own animal, it's its own thing that needs to be dealt with. Um, with a professional therapist so first and foremost it's not really anything you're going to get help with on a podcast like this where it's just me rabbiting into a mic Um, but there are things I can talk about because as you may or may not have realized I too have suffered with certain mental health problems and over the years have sought therapy and self-help because the therapy more often than not was through the NHS or free because I was a broke miserable working class kid who didn't have many friends so it was you know uh, part of why I was mentally ill was sort of the background I had growing up but you know I'm sure that'll that'll boil up at some point in in my rants but yeah the worst thing I had um, outside of the traumatic events that happened was uh, this problem with rumination and I'm sure everyone has had this point where either in the day or as you're falling asleep some quiet point in your life um, in your day-to-day life where you've got nothing going on nothing to occupy you so your brain just becomes this cacophony of chatter and the chatter is almost always along the lines of you remember that horrible thing that happened when you were seven or do you remember making an absolute cock of yourself in secondary school or do you remember when that woman really put you down Well, you remember when that guy dumped you remember that yeah that was shit wasn't it what the fuck was that about 
And the next thing you know, you can't sleep because your brain's just constantly gibbering and jabbering and it won't shut the fuck up and you're miserable and you don't sleep properly. And then that feeds into a feedback loop of of being mentally ill. I mean, it all it all comes back to certain basic things, as we all know. Certainly, you're going to be better off if you've not had a horrible life to start with. But, you know, a traumatic event happens, which then causes you to be wound up and not sleep properly. And then the lack of sleep causes mental chatter and you, your brain can't heal itself, which is what sleep's for. Um, yeah, and then you end up ruminating. And, uh, yeah, rumination... It's, uh, as, I, as I talked about in the last episode, it comes from that bit of the monkey brain that, you know, tried to work out where the predators were and to avoid them, and it made sense, and it certainly made sense right up until the early modern period, or in fact right up until the 20th century, so post-war, I guess. But in the current climate with things that they are, you, you're not actually going to be physically under that much threat on a daily basis, unless you live in one of these areas which is essentially a war zone roaring poverty, constant threat of assault and violence and such, in which case those sort of patterns can be used to help you. And that's what the brain is trying to do. And I know it's really easy to feel like when you're horribly mentally ill, that the fact that you keep going over these past events, that it's your brain being a shit. Your brain becomes this external entity that just wants to ruin your day, that just wants to make everything crap again. And you don't want to feel like crap, but you do. You don't want to feel like shit, but it happens. And so you just sort of put it down to the fact that, well, my brain's got it in for me, and I just just have to accept that that's how things are. Which is stupid. Because if you're someone with, say, heart disease, or a bone disorder or you know any kind of physical illness cancer is the obvious one um it's not your body being against you it's a disease it is it is illness it is something that happens and it's a shit when it happens but it's not your body having it in for you there's lots of theories about sort of the causes of of physical illnesses having a mental origin but right off the bat, it definitely isn't your body sort of going, yeah, I'm sick of being a spine column or a pancreas or, or whatever. I'm just going to be a cunt. I'm going to I'm gonna grow c- cancerous growths or I'm going to start eating myself or I'm going to start decaying and falling apart just to fuck up the host. Because fuck them, right? Yeah, fuck them. Well, it's the same with your brain and it, it's the same with mental illnesses. I know the whole shtick with mental illnesses it's all in your head well yeah duh it's a mental illness um but as with uh physical therapies that can be done to help physical ailments there are exercises and uh techniques you can use to mend your mental health um at at this point i'd like to plug someone else's podcast because they're a lot more articulate and a lot more um, professional as far as their setup and everything goes and fucking hilarious and a brilliant guy as well um check out the blind boy boat club podcast or just the blind boy podcast um he's one half of the rubber bandits who are a fucking genius irish comedy band and the guy has a mind as wide as the sky he's really interesting and he's had a fantastically 
hilariously funny kind of life. And uh, he has some absolutely stonking episodes about mental health and mental well-being and self-help and so on. Um, please, by all means, check that out. But uh, as per a request by a fan and a friend, um, uh, this week's episode is going to be, yeah, basically hints and tips on the art of letting go. So you've been ruminating, so you've been, uh, in, you know, swamped with intrusive thoughts about aspects of your past and things that happened and people that hurt you. You know, how, how do you move on from that? Yeah, how do you how do you shut off the mental chatter? How do you how do you deal with it? What's the best way of going about it? Well, the the short answer is, I'm still not entirely sure. It's a, it's an ongoing process. It definitely is. Um, the obvious thing to start with is, well, I say start with. We're twelve minutes in now, but when it comes to this particular topic, the first thing you do is obviously seek help from a professional, from a licensed professional. Um, I know um, GPs and sort of family doctors and stuff can be not very good in this situation, but they can at least be a stepping stone or a gateway to a professional who can help. Um, cognitive behavioural therapy certainly helped me out and I managed to get it for free. Um, there's services that can sort that out for you. Um, and you obviously you can have face-to-face -face therapy as well. And this is what your doctor should be able to help hook you up with. Um, but yeah, it's, it is a process. It's a destin, it, well, it's a process rather than the destination, I think is what I'm, what I'm trying to get at. Um, and it's a, about having good habits in exactly the same way that if you want to pr improve your bodily health you you start eating healthily you have you go you you have exercise you improve your sleep patterns you um, try and engage yourself in hobbies that are fulfilling and 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 uh, that, that that generally um you know keep you active or keep you you know occupied or whatever you know you take up sports or you or you uh or you go mountain climbing or something like that. And I know it is the the bane of anyone that's ever had any form of depression or anxiety is when people say, why don't you just go for a walk? Why don't you climb a mountain? Why don't you look at the sunset? And all that happens is then you're outdoors and depressed or up a mountain and petrified. It's fucking stupid. It's in in and of itself. It's not bad advice, but it's 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 half. You're only it's it's half the story. It's 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 a it's it's a plaster on a sawn off stump. It's not going to stop the bleeding. It's not going to fix the core problem. But you know, thanks for trying. I guess you can always tell someone that's maybe had like everyone feels depressed at some point in their life. It is a completely normal reaction to certain life events if you've ever you know had a relationship end or you've lost a loved one or you've um you've lost your job that can make you horribly horribly depressed yeah that is a thing um bereavement essentially it's all varying degrees of bereavement but imagine if that bereavement never lets up and it's constant and then you feel guilty for feeling bad and it all becomes this, that's what I mean, an ugly feedback loop of just feeling like shit, feeling stressed, being too stressed to sleep, waking up, feeling like shit, and it just goes on and on and on. 
So letting go of events in your past that maybe caused all this, the event that, you know, the triggering event or multiple triggering events or how uh, even just living like a normal life without major trauma, without major awful things that happened or possibly didn't happen and that's, you feel that's let you down. Um, being able to let go of that is a, is a, is a skill and a, an art and art is not science so treating mental health problems and life events as something that can be medicated something that can be therapized is not necessarily the best way to go about it because art is subjective art is completely dependent on the viewer so whilst um, non-face-to-face therapy worked for me and no antidepressants or, or anything like that because I was on antidepressants at one point but they made me very, very ill. So uh, that had to get knocked on the head. But for some people, antidepressants are the only thing they need. They need a short course of antidepressants and then they're completely back to normal. There's some people, they won't take um, pills of any description but they will use... Um, not entirely legal means, shall we say, of, uh, of, of, a, of a chemical cure, if you like. And that's going to lead on to a later episode as well. But it's uh, completely individual. Completely individual. You might look at a painting and think that's beautiful. Someone else might look at it and go, that's garbage. Someone might say, therapy worked well for me. Someone else might go, it was fucking shit. I was just sat in a room with some bloke staring at me, telling me to talk about my fucking problems. And he took 50 quid off of me and that was it. Wank. Don't bother with it. No, it didn't work for you and that's fair enough. But it might work for someone else, so don't tell them not to do it. Which has always been my attitude with this sort of thing. If you honestly want to try pills, try pills. If you want to try therapy try therapy if you do want to just climb a mountain and clear your head do that whatever works for you personally but what works for me personally when it comes to letting go of past events is a combination of tricks and techniques that were taught to me by various therapists um, things that I've picked up in self-help books and tried and tested techniques that I've I've worked on on my own you know, I did spend an awful lot of sort of recent years kind of stuck alone in in a house or uh, working jobs where it was just me in an office. And you, when you're left alone like that, your brain obviously rattles around a bit. And if you've got the chatter brain, if you've got the brain that ruminates, if you've got the brain that is not functioning entirely properly because it's still trying to process terrible things that happened, like you are a monkey on the savannah trying to evade being eaten by a lion it can be very difficult and so I had to find ways, research ways and invent ways of coping with it. Uh, one of the best ways that I've come across when it comes to letting go, so one of the first tricks I suppose, one of the first techniques that was, uh, that was taught to me um, is something called visualisation. Uh, anyone, Most people know what visualisation is, it's, it's one of those words that gets banded about uh, it's literally being able to picture something in detail. For example, I need to take a drink, as, which I frequently do in this podcast because I'm I'm in a, a, a slightly dusty room 
talking a lot more or less non-stop I don't really do an awful lot of edits as well with this I'm trying to keep it you know down as far as edits go but yeah here's a picture try and picture this as, as with as much detail as you possibly can I have a standard pint glass in my left hand it's full of sugar-free fizzy goodness well or not goodness because you know, I, I, I should practice what I preach, really, but I, I shouldn't be drinking fake sugar, because that's not very good for you either, but fake sugar's better than actual sugar, at least. But it's full of uh, pretend sugary drink that's kind of fizzy, and, uh, and I'm about to take a sip. So... There we go. So I, I held it up to my lips for a few seconds, and I put it down... It is now to my left as I'm speaking into this microphone. Uh, most of you don't know what I look like, so you know, don't worry about that so much. But can you picture someone taking a drink from a pint glass? That's visualisation. You've done a visualisation. Well done. Um, so when it comes to past events that were traumatic or hurtful or upsetting, what you do is you, you visualise the event as a scene in a TV programme on a television screen. So you see it going down and you see it happen, but you're outside of it. Because physically you are, the event has already happened. You can't go back and change it. But what you can do is just picture it on that TV screen. So then you take a deep breath and you blow out. And on that out-breath, you imagine that you're blowing that screen away from you. So it's in a dark void. You blow it and it just pushes back and shrinks as it does so. And you take the deep breath and you blow as many times as you need to until that little TV screen showing the terrible thing that happened just gets smaller and more indistinct and less and less relevant. Until eventually it's literally just a dot in the background. It's a dot in, a, in black space. And in that exact moment, it doesn't mean anything. You've taken those deep breaths. You've oxygenated. You've, you, your blood's, you know, fully, fully, fully oxygenated. And your brain's fully oxygenated. And you've relaxed. The panic, the stress, the misery that came with that memory should now dissipate slightly. And that's a technique I tend to use when it's very traumatic memories. You've not gotten rid of the memory. You've just put it away for now. And that's another thing is you're never able to, to completely blank these things out. There are, as, again, there's, there are medical techniques used to uh, protect you if you do have really traumatic memories that you'd rather forget. A uh, popular one at the moment is uh, using beta blockers. Uh, if you have extreme anxiety. Uh, well, I know people that do take them, and it does help. It certainly helps with the really terrible memories, uh, and that's great. But again, I wanted to, to try and treat my depression and anxiety with natural means, I suppose, says the woman drinking fake sugar. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my, that's the visual visualisation technique that I tend to use. Uh, but that's good in a in a... 
in a in a in a in a momentary thing, in a in a quiet moment, and you're minding your business, and your brain suddenly goes, "Oh, that horrible fucking thing that happened." <sighs> Deep breath, blow it away. Imagine like that screen that's showing the terrible thing that happened is 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 like a pa- a piece of paper, and it's just blown away, shrinks, disappears, becomes a pinpoint in in the inky blackness, and it no longer means anything. It can't touch you. It can't hurt you. It's not there anymore. A slightly more complicated scenario would be uh, if there were people in your past that you have had very bad encounters with, but for various reasons you're likely to come across again. Um, Either you have the unfortunate luck of still living in the same town where the people that hurt you still live. Um, those people that hurt you are members of your family that you can't extricate yourself from. If the people that hurt you are, you know, part of your community, and you're always going to see them, you know, at church or mosque or you know any any kind of public event. I like to use a technique called the golden cage. And again, similar to the, it's a, it's another visualization technique, but it's this visualization technique coupled with um, some processes and ideas that are shared in the book "I'm Okay, You're Okay." Um, if you can find it, it's it was like the first populist self-help book, and some of it's cobblers and some of it is relevant. And like with everything, you tailor the information you take in to suit you. Um, it's not about uh, um, one size fits all, this entire program or this entire technique or the, everything else like that should work for you. But you take what you can from it. You know, there's whole chunks of the Bible which are just insane cobblers, if we're being completely honest. It don't make any sense whatsoever and the half of that's translation and half of that's just what they're talking about is a bit mad, to be honest. But it is possible to open the Bible at any point and find a passage that really does speak to you and makes sense. So this this is this can go with any book, to be fair. I just picked the Bible because it's it is apparently the most popular book in human history. I don't know why. It's, <laughs> it's a bit of a weird plot. You can't keep up with the characters and dialogue gets a bit dry sometimes, you yeah. know. Two stars out of five. But it's 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 a cultural cornerstone. Um, but as with any book, and especially if it's a book that does actually mean something to you, you know, it doesn't have to be a holy book. It can just be a bit work of fiction. Um, and you open it at any page, and sometimes you'll find a quote, um, or a story, or poetry is really good for this. Actually, if you get into uh, reading poetry or even the lyrics of a favourite band or artist. And you read the lyric sheets in the CD. Because I'm old school. I've got CDs. I've got CDs with booklets that that, that have the lyrics and stuff written down in them. Because I support real media. <laughs> she says, talking shit on the internet. <laughs> but, well, no, open up a lyrics, um, a lyrics site. Uh, and you know, from your favourite band, and they'll they'll have the lyrics written down and, and and collected, and you can read through those in exactly the same way. Point being, you find any collection of writings, and you can find one or two bits that just absolutely speak to you. 
and and what that does is it taps into that part of you that's okay that's that's always okay when the terrible things were happening there was always going to be a bit of you part of your brain part of your if you want to get metaphysical part of your soul that had your back that you were always going to be all right the fact that you survived the terrible thing that happened says it all really is it's you are living proof that you can survive the awful things but the memory of the awful things will come back and it will feel bad and you'll feel frightened and small or or used and and broken and miserable and angry again and that's okay that's understandable that's what memory does but the problem then when you're feeling that way and the people that made you feel that way are still around and you're not able to i mean obviously the first thing you want to do really is not have any contact with these people because they're abusers and users and they're awful and they they shouldn't be a part of your life but it's not possible it's not physically possible for some people for a lot of people in fact to completely extricate themselves from the old life they used to lead that hurt them it's it's just not it's just not physically possible in which case your best bet is again visualization deep breath and then what you do is you find that little diamond i always think of it as like a little diamond kind of in your solar plexus area sort of in your gut and you and you sort of visualize it and you picture it shining and glowing and you can put your hand over it if it helps you know like obviously part of the the sort of physical reaction to seeing people that that hurt you or you know that cause trauma in your life is a physical lurching of the stomach a physical pain sometimes in the gut but you just put your hand over it and you picture that little diamond inside you and it's glowing bright white and as it's glowing golden rays of light come out and it forms a sort of security fence around you you know you can picture it as a security fence you can picture it as a, a solid golden translucent wall you can picture it as a, a old style medieval shield or a roman shield or, a, or you know a shield of any description that that suits your particular tastes um yeah any kind of protective barrier that you can think of and it surrounds you you know in that moment you are physically safe whatever it is these people did to you whether it was psychological emotional or physical if you are having to share a space with them in public for example there's not anything they can do to hurt you again now if this is a situation where you're at school and you're dealing with gossips or bullies um obviously you take normal steps to sort of protect yourself from that but the biggest defense you have against those people in those sort of situations is just tapping into that bit of you that knows you're okay because that's what they abusers and attackers and 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 people that do that sort of thing hate themselves they're not okay they don't have that diamond shining inside of them their only defense is attack so you don't have anything to worry about from those people not when you know you're okay so you feel your solar plexus you see the shield you see the the wall you see the the railings i i tend to visualize like a bird cage where people can still see me but they can't get to me 
And that's what it boils down to. Don't, you know, everyone's told constantly, don't let the bastards get you down. Well, if you can visualise it, if you can really picture it, the bastards can't get you. They just can't. Because it's... Uh, fear is a mind killer, I believe is the Frank Herbert term. Uh, by the way, June. Stonking books. Brilliant books. Shit film. Brilliant books. Uh, uh, another technique that I want to talk about as far as sort of dealing with, so we've dealt with, um, we've dealt with traumatic thoughts that come up from the past and, and the, uh, the shrinking screen blowing them away kind of thing. We've talked about, um, the gilded cage or golden cage or, uh, golden fence to keep you safe if you're having to be in the same area as your attackers or you're at the same area as people that have traumatized you or upset you. Um, so this is a technique I want to use for intrusive thoughts. So you've gotten away from the people that have hurt you, so you never have to worry about having to put the cage up. But, you know, the cage is a good one for, as, as far as a, a, a mental health technique goes anyway, because it's not... You're not shutting yourself off completely as far as sort of being sociable goes because you're still talking to these people, but you're just, you're, you're training your brain to understand that they cannot hurt you anymore so it doesn't have to panic and you don't have to be stuck in that rumination shit loop. Um, so yes, this one is for when you're trying to go to bed at night, especially when you're trying to go to bed at night, but any quiet moment and you have the intrusive thought. Now, intrusive thoughts are literally... Minding your business, doing your thing. Oh, that was shit, wasn't it? What was that? What was that, brain? Oh, you know, when you were seven and that girl pushed you over in the playground. That was horrible, wasn't it? Really, brain? Really? This is, you're doing this to me now? Fuck you! And rather than getting into that, that hateful mental loop of I'm constantly being attacked and my brain's against me and I don't know how to sleep and I can't deal with this, I can't live my life with all these intrusive thoughts... What you want to do is distract yourself. And the obvious thing is to physically distract yourself. You know, watch films, read books, um, play games. But sometimes it's, well, when you're going to bed, for example, you can't do that because you're trying to go to sleep. So the technique that I was taught by my lovely online therapist um, was one called green giraffes. It doesn't have to be green giraffes. It can be any odd combination. Um, purple elephants, um, yellow rhinos, whatever. Um, but he went with green giraffes. So when you're having these kind of intrusive thoughts of, oh, when you were six and that happened, that was shit, wasn't it? What you do is you kind of say to your brain, yeah, it was, but thinking about it now isn't helpful. So what we're going to think about instead is a green giraffe. And the brain kind of stops for a moment. And then your creative senses kick in. The same creative centres that are entertained and, and eased by watching telly or reading a book or playing games. So then your start, brain starts going, what's stupid with green? What's a green giraffe got to do with... Wait, would the whole giraffe be green? Or would it be like different shades of green? Or would it have like kind of green here and there and then maybe a little bit of yellow on the nose and it... Would it be like a cartoon giraffe or a realistic giraffe? And the next thing you know, your brain goes off on this tangent. Because that's essentially what uh, uh, intrusive thoughts are. It's tangential thinking. Um, 
but it goes off on a separate tangent. So instead of going, oh, that thing when we were six was really shit. That was a really shit. Oh, look at this shiny thing. Oh, what's this doing? Oh, I'll follow this thread. Oh, I'll see where this goes. And there we go. Like giving a kitten a ball of wool. It, it goes off and plays. And in the thinking and in the plotting and in the just trying to imagine the green giraffe, you eventually fall to, you know, drift off to sleep. And as I say, that's a technique that has worked for me and it's worked wonders to the extent that I got given a green giraffe as a gift. A little cuddly green giraffe. And it was, it was really sweet. And I will kind of look over at it or, or pick it up and look at it and I'll feel all warm and cosy. Because it's almost like a totem of, of safety now. That even though, again, it's accepting that the reason your brain goes to these points and goes to these things that happened isn't because it's trying to make your life more difficult or is it against you. It is literally the frightened monkey in you trying to make it so that you're not hurt like that ever again. It is not the behaviour of a being or a, or a separate entity trying to wreck your day. It is just you. It's a part of you that doing these things helped to keep you, you know, it's, it's meant to help keep you alive. It's a security system gone haywire. Imagine if you had a burglar alarm that was constantly going off with every movement. It'd fuck you up. You wouldn't be able to sleep properly. But the whole point of that burglar alarm is it's meant to alert you to intruders. It's meant to keep you safe from things and people that are out to fucking hurt you. But that in itself can then become a source of stress and a source of agony. We as animals aren't really designed to live in the world we've built. You know, our, our infinite capacity for innovation and development and progress has sort of fucked us a little bit. Because whilst we have, you know, the kind of society that we live in and the kind of um, technology that we have and the kind of art and entertainment and stimulation that we have, our little little chimpanzee brains, our little shrew brains, our lizard brains, our fish brains haven't quite caught up yet. We're animals that have built our own cages, which is ironic considering I was talking about a safety cage before, but uh, we're not really designed to deal with the kind of stresses and strains that are put on us by others and that we put on ourselves. So we need to find ways of coming to of, of of letting ourselves come to terms with that of reconciliating the the developed super being and the the terrified knuckle dragging chimp in us that we all have um sorry if you're religious and you don't believe in reincarnation then just think of it as as a terrified primeval man then instead of instead of a chimp um we actually if you're religious you probably don't have a problem with all this because you know god protects you and stuff so that's great you have that but for a lot of us it's a lot more complicated than that than that um in particular there are obviously i won't go into too much detail myself but there certainly was a particular time in my life um as i'm sure you know we're talking about nostalgia and this this magical seven year period between the age of 14 and 21 um, when your life and tastes and so on are informed 
um, from that point onwards because of brain development. Um, so yeah, personally, that time period for me is a, a weird smorgasbord of delicious nibbles and repulsive poisons, where I discovered new tastes and new music and, and new experiences, but they were also laced with this rank, toxic fuckery. And the worst part of it is that the exact people that I would have fun with, that I would enjoy being around, that I would um, have these experiences with, were also the exact people that really, really, really hurt me. And so it becomes really difficult to um, disentangle the, the good from the bad and the and the, the great from the terrible, and can you really listen to that band anymore when when you went to see them, it was with that friend that then fucked you up. And the thing that's helped me understand those times is, well, it's empathy. First off, you were hurt, and we were all hurt, and we were all hurting. And we were all, as I say, I, I have a habit of attracting people that seem to have had the exact same sort of life experiences to me. But the problem is when you're a kid and your your emotional intelligence is still quite low because you've, as I say, you've gone from being a, a, a literal possession with no thoughts or feelings of your own to being expected to decide what you want to do with the rest of your life. That kind of stress will fuck you up alone. Um, but throw child abuse, throw alcoholism, throw uh, drug addiction, throw sexual abuse, throw uh, assault and battery, throw time in, you know, youth facilities. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying this all happened to me, but this is the collectively as a group, this is something all of us seem to go through. Um, from body horror to, to social rejection and the abject fear of it ever happening again leads to essentially a lot of frightened kids trying to not be hurt and ending up hurting themselves and everyone around them in the process. So, as I say, empathy. Empathy was the key to letting all that go for me. It is completely understanding that, yes, it was horrible what they did. It was awful. At the time, it was truly traumatic. It was, it, you know, I, I have been tested for PTSD and it's there. Um, it was a bit, you know, it was appalling. No one should treat anybody like that. But it's also understanding that at the time, those people that did those things were trying to process their own pain in an admittedly terrible way, in the absolute subjectively wrong way, but they were just frightened animals. And they were frightened animals that were taking their terror out on another frightened animal. If you think of the um, the, the, the studies and the experiments in zoos in, I think it was uh, America, which then led to this theory of alpha wolves and omega wolves. You've probably heard of this. But for the longest time, it was accepted that you, in wolf packs, there was a leader, 
and uh, then the rankings went, you know, the beta, seta, you know, as, you know, a leader, deputies, subordinates, and then right at the bottom was an omega. Right at the bottom was the one that they all picked on and attacked. For uh, as far as the um, the biologists and such looking at them, for no apparent reason, they would just pick one and constantly attack them and have a go at them. The study was thrown out. It was completely blown out of the water semi-recently. I mean, in the last 10 years, I think it was. No, possibly 20 years. They studied the behaviour of wolves in the wild and found it was completely different to the wolves that were used in the study because the wolves used in the study were in captivity and they weren't just in captivity, they were in appalling conditions. And this should tell you everything you need to know. The wolves that were kept in captivity, that were in a tiny enclosure, they didn't have enough room to move around, Um, feeding time was sparse, Uh, the food they were getting was processed, it was... It's not natural, it's not good for them. It was not an environment they ever should have been in, but there they were, being studied by these uh, biologists and and zoologists trying to understand wolf behaviour. And the behaviour they were giving out was entirely synthetic and totally dependent on their environment on all the things that were happening to them, on all the, the, all the factors that don't actually exist in nature. And that's what it's like for humans. There we were, a bunch of kids that had been abused and assaulted and rejected socially. We were in a synthetic environment, like hanging around in parks and public places that were concrete and covered in graffiti. Crime was a daily occurrence in between kids being assaulted by parents or kicked out of homes and having to live on the streets or sleep on friends' sofas. There were kids being mugged and and threatened and and ganged up upon. And there were gang fights. There was groups of other kids would, would suddenly attack you for no reason. In that environment, you will get power struggles, like with the wolves. But in the wild, in a healthy environment, those wolves would behave completely differently. In fact, it's generally considered that wild wolves are essentially just big family groups. And they're big, healthy, happy family groups. The alphas are just mum and dad. The betas and subordinates are older and younger siblings. And there are no omega wolves. There are no wolves at the bottom being picked on and attacked and and torn apart for no apparent reason. It doesn't happen because the wolves in the wild are not being forced under appalling, stressful conditions. And the empathy key, the thing that made me realise that what happened to me was not my fault, what happened to me was not an indicator of my worth as a person it was what happens when you have a lot of of disturbed people kind of forced into a cage effectively into each other's company that they don't necessarily want to be in and trying to make a place for themselves in the most aggressive unhealthy unnatural way possible and I think about the lives of the people who did those things to me and the, the lives of that they, they ended up living because I, I, I uh, deleted my Facebook a few years ago so I 
because it wasn't doing my mental health any good whatsoever, as I'm sure it isn't for a lot of you. But um, yeah, in before I did that, you sort of look at it, and I know Facebook is not a good indicator of how people's lives actually are. And I have to admit that for the longest time, the way I dealt with what happened to me was constantly thinking, well, well their life's shit, you know, they're, they're, they're having a worse time than me, you know, karma was the thing that helped me get along, but it doesn't always work like that. Um, I think I'll get on to that, I'll save that for a final thought. Um, but before that, uh, one of the many, many, many tracks that sort of sum up my that point in my life where I felt that I was simultaneously on top of the world and being absolutely fucked by it at the same time is um, is a track by the band Offspring and it's and it sums up this particular track as well uh, there was a mutual friend that uh, of, of a lot of my friends and such we still take contacts and such who um, actually said you know this is this song is us this song is is our lot that you know we all hang out in this one place at the same time this is this is us everything that the, the, the band talk about and everything that the band sing about yeah and of course that will happen to teenagers across the globe you know this song is us this song's about me but i think it is really appropriate i think it's bang on and it's the offspring the kids aren't all right
There we go. What a stonker. Still love it. It's still depressing. It still affects us. It came out in 1998. And yeah, just brilliant song. Love it. Probably quantitatively and subjectively, and I use those words a lot. If I'm being fair, it's 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 just a good it's a good pop punk song. Fuck it, fuck you. I love it. Uh, it's on the album Americana for anyone that's worried. Um, yeah, just one of those bands. They sort of had a, a thing in the early '90s and sort of went quiet and then had a big resurgence at the end. And just at the, the exact same time that I and my friends were all scruffy, baggy trousered hanging out in the skate park and having the most appalling teenage dramas to the extent that I think if you wrote it down, even people in Hollyoaks wouldn't accept it as a script because it would be too unreal and too unrealistic. So there we are. That's the offspring. Uh, so yeah, final thought. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna stop the, the final thought from being too rambling uh, just because I'm almost at the hour mark as it is. Uh, so I'll just, I'll just drop it and say... Forgive, uh, forgetting is not necessarily forgiving. You are not um, beholden to forgive people. We think about forgiveness in the Christian sense of of love thy brother, love thy neighbour, love thy enemy, and all the rest of it. Because it's a it's a country informed by Christian values, even if it's not strictly speaking a Christian country. What it is what forgiveness really is is about letting go and it's about moving on um you're not saying that the things that these people did to you were right you're not excusing their behavior you're not saying that they get away with it that they get to get away with treating you like shit that they get to get away with with behaving the way they did that's not the point of forgiveness the point of forgiveness, as it was originally taught, was about moving on for your own sake and no one else's. If you hold on to anger and bitterness and resentment, it fucks you up. It really does. It is the worst drug. Um, it's up there with alcohol and, and nicotine for being the worst drugs. It's for the, the high that you get from anger and indignation the high that you get from being offended and being annoyed, it's it's a, it's a fleeting high, and it's still addictive, it's just as addictive as any other high, but it is a thousand times more self-destructive. It's anger, hate, bitterness, fear, all these things that we have about things that happened to us in the past, it'll... The only person that is being damaged from you hating the people that did these things to you is you and nobody else. If these people are truly awful, then they're just going to live their life and be awful and eventually they'll piss off the wrong people and something. Will, they'll, they'll get what's coming to them, as it were. Or they might not. They might go through their whole life never learning from their lesson, never learning that that's not how you treat people. And you know what? That's none of your business. It's not your problem. It is not your responsibility. It is not something that you're expected to carry with you like a fucking chain round your neck, like weights on your feet. Forgiveness is not forgetting. I'll say it again. Forgiveness is not forgetting. You can remember what happened to them. That can inform your opinion of them if you ever come across them again in the future. 
you are entitled as an individual, as a salient adult, which I hope it is salient adults listening to this and not kids, because I do swear an awful lot. So parents, don't let your little ones listen to this. But it is your your right and responsibility for your own mental health and well-being to say to people that hurt you, I don't want a relationship with you. I don't want you in my life. What you did to me was unforgivable. But I am going to forgive for my sake, not yours. I'm going to move on for me. I'm going to let this go for me. I am going to make a better life for myself, for my well-being, so that I can be a better person than you were at that point. And turn around and you can walk away, or you put the phone down, or you close the laptop, whatever needs to happen. By letting go of the past, you're not burying it. And we all know you can't bury these feelings and these thoughts because they come back. They come back in the quiet moments. They haunt you when you're trying to sleep. It'll nag at the back of your head when you're just doing your weekly shop and you look at a tin of fucking soup. It's like, oh, I had soup that day that... Oh, shit, here we go again. No. You're not doing it to let off abusers, attackers. You're not doing it to allow anyone in the future to treat you the same way. You're doing it so that you become a better person. You're reassuring the frightening monkey brain that it's okay. It won't happen again. But we're worthy of better things now. So... I guess I'll leave you with that. I'll say it like four times. I guess four times. Is four times too many? Yeah, fuck it. One more time. Forgiving is not forgetting. But you can manage those memories now. Again, if you are suffering with mental health, if you're suffering with um, PTSD, if you're suffering with any kind of past trauma, seek help where you can from who you can. There is no harm in asking for help. Or if you feel like you can manage it on your own, but you want some hints and tips, there's lots of material out there so that you can sort it out yourself if you want to. I know a lot of people prefer to do things DIY rather than having to sit there listening to someone that doesn't know them try and tell them about their lives. By all means, um, seek out self-help, mental health and um, uh, well-being studies, books, um, writers there are far too many for me to even begin to list but there's entire back catalogues of that sort of thing and there's a lot of information actually on the internet available for free um so yeah use the tools at your disposal um good mental health to you and yours and i shall sling you a rope to help you out of the chasm <laughs>